Did that? That didn't do something, did it? If I turn it down. Now you turn it down. I can't hear anything. That's just the monitor. Yeah. I just want to make sure this wasn't like wired up all funky. Oh, no, it shouldn't. Okay. Is it like really loud for you? Because for me, it's good. No, now it is. But before it was really loud. Now it's fine. Someone's got really sensitive ears. I do. I've got little baby ears that everyone makes fun of me about. It's not the only little baby thing you got. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? God, I hope this is on the pre-roll. Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, presented by Cinema Summit, a podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 28 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Alex Dark. And I am Trevor L. Nelson. And today we're going to be talking about all the different avenues for self-distribution. Ooh. But first, yeah. I'm going to just pause for a second because I'm going to let the audience guess what we're drinking. Pause. Yes. Yeah, you, you got are, it right. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Good job. Kona beer. We're down to our last case though. That sounds like that makes it sound horrible. Like we have all this free beer, and it sounds like we're complaining about it. But well, I think what's even more horrible is that we're talking about it in terms of cases that yeah, we've gone true. through. Yeah. We've gone through two yeah. cases in probably <laughs> a month and a half, and three belt sizes. <laughs> <laughs> Without having, yeah, not only that, but we don't come down here every day. So <laughs> yeah, that's even more shocking. Uh, but we're finishing up the Kona, and then we'll get on to some saucy drinks. Uh, maybe a little whiskey. Mm-hmm. Whiskey. A little whiskey. Maybe some vodka if we can get our, our alcohol dispenser working. We turn it off during the podcast so it doesn't make any noise. And I think it kind of messes with things in there. I think it gets gunky and all that. We might have to do a flush. You know what I mean? A little flush. It does, but it also consumes our alcohol. Yeah, I don't somehow. I don't know. Yeah, we got to figure that thing out. Whatever. It's weird. Yeah. Um, weird. A lot of things The woes are weird. of having an alcohol dispenser. At it doesn't your work perfectly. And I have to pour my own <laughs> alcohol and it's not How ice could cold. this be? The only problem is that. Alex doesn't like the ice in here, so he probably wants that to be ice cold liquor so that he doesn't have to add I do. free on ice. We could uh, just stick the bottles in our little freezer. However, that would probably make the alcohol taste like free on. <laughs> it would permeate the glass. Actually, who are we kidding? The plastic bottle that our alcohol is in. Yeah. It wouldn't fit because we get them in, we get the gallon jugs. Yeah. We get like the the Robert Gallo size jug, jug of wines, but of vodka. And it's only seven dollars. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, okay. So, what's new with us? Um, now, I'm going to do this uh, inconspicuously. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with a little word to the wise. You know, we talk about a lot of connections that you make in the film industry and why you take jobs for free and why you do this because you build up relationships and you, then you can manipulate and take advantage of those, of those relationships until they die and shrivel and go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more importantly, what happens is you're going to, throughout your career, you're going to be pulling favors. You're going to be asking for help. Um, you know, you're going to be asking for discounts on things. I just want to give you guys a little tip. Experience this a little bit. If you're asking for a favor that is either someone's time or someone's money, and you're working with the crew, yeah, tell the entire crew that this is a favor that you're pulling. What I've run why into, is that, Trevor? What, tell us why. <laughs> what I've run into is that people will say you are renting a camera, and your friend says, "Hey, man, you know." Um, yeah, you can use my camera, uh, you know, I just would like it back by Saturday morning or something like that. And then you're on your you're on your set with crew. You don't tell your crew on Friday that this is a camera that you're getting for free because your friend let you, you know, um, 
borrow it and you guys are kind of just lackadaisical because you're like oh yeah we got this we paid for it and all that and then you're like you know what we'll just pick up some shots tomorrow not th- you know th- then you call your friend hey man i'm just gonna need it tomorrow the thing is is that if the crew doesn't know that this is a favor they're not going to work like it's a favor that they have to get everything done they think it's being paid for that everything is uh by the book and i don't say that as in like it's not illegal i just mean it's like everything's paid for everything's rented all the permits are there everything's good to go you can use it as long as you want because you paid for it um, just know that you should inform your crew. You know, just bring your crew. Like, hey guys, so we got to work our asses off tonight and get this done because this is my friend's camera. He's letting me use it for a hundred dollars when it normally costs six thousand uh, dollars to rent because you know it's an amazing camera. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, um, six thousand dollars a day rental fee. Wouldn't one think that if the crew thought they were paying for it, that they would be even more likely to try to get it done in time? That's yes, but at the same time, some people, if they're not worrying about the finances, like you know, if you walk in and say, "Hey, I'm doing the shoot, and I'm paying you, and I'm paying this person, and all that," they don't know how much money you have. They don't know that you know. I like, think the bigger, the bigger thing is if someone were to project the notion that they owned the camera. Oh, that's good too. Because then the crew's like, "Oh, whatever, it's your camera. We can use it yeah. for however long." But that's not the case because even if I mean, if you're renting it, obviously you can't use it forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And if you're borrowing it, you can't use it forever. Yes, but remember that, like, especially if it's a camera rental from a rental house, three day weekend. Sure. So people will be like, "Oh, well, he gets his camera tomorrow, so whatever. He rented it, and blah blah blah." Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, 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 you know, spread the love to the crew and say, "Hey guys, this is a favor. You know, we can't act like this is like, uh, this is being all paid for on the up and up and all that, just to help everything out because the pe- person who rents lends you the camera ain't gonna be too happy when, um, you know." The camera's being used a little bit longer than you supposed because, guess what? Nobody told everyone else that this camera is being used as a favor. Just a little word to the wise. Yeah, I I like how you solidly shroud that um, (laughs) personal experience in a fictional camera rental. Okay. We rent cameras. We do. (laughs) I don't know who listens to this, so. Neither do I. Ah, Okay. So, um, what else is new with us? We have, you know, if, if you work in this industry long enough, you'll realize that all your news is news you can't tell. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, we have an amazing possibility, uh, an amazing opportunity that may be coming up. We can't talk too much about it because we have to finalize it and hope to hope to hell that it actually comes through. If it does... This is like a, a three-year-long in-the-making deal? Yeah. Maybe? Okay. I... If you've listened to us talk about all the deals we pulled off for equipment and things like that, Alex it's is a master of pulling deals. Trying, the man, trying to. You know what? And what it is, he's fearless. He's not afraid of them saying no or you're an idiot or are you kidding me? So he just asks. And, you know, that has resulted in us getting a bunch of equipment from a video village that the wind sold off. We basically got the equipment for free. We, you told them, we said, we'll pay you back. We'll pay you your asking price in a year. In that year, I think it was six months, we sold some of the equipment for his asking price and kept the rest. So pra- practically it was free. It was free and we made money. And we made money. Because we sold, sold a lot more, of it. Sold more for more than his asking price. So um, Alex is, is just like, if there's every, anything I ever am dreaming of acquiring, I just tell Alex, and he, he does, does a little tippity-tap on the keyboard, and guess what? He is 
Yeah. Somehow a, pulling it off. There's another one that I'm attempting right now, which is even crazier. This, this one you could talk about because this one's not going to happen. I mean, this there's one... No, no, I'm not going to talk about okay. it just because it, I haven't actually <laughs> gone through with it yet. But let's just say... This, yeah. Let's just say I'm going to attempt to acquire a company. Yeah. It was Well... A couple of these are about acquiring companies. That's right. Um, but is this the one that you were going to email about tonight? Yes. Okay. All right. So now, now we're on the same page. Because in all honesty, people, I never know what Alex is <laughs> cooking up. So I could be like, is this the one we talked about? No. About the, how about the one we talked about the other day? Nope. nope. Is this a new one? Yeah. Uh, it's, so a number that, game. it's a numbers <laughs> game, people. That's, that's how I, we go through our, 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 our friendship and partnership. Alex just comes up with these crazy things and tells me half the uh, halfway through the fact that hey, we're not responsible for all this that I got for free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have to go oh, pick man. it up for sure. Um, so if this comes through, we'll announce it and be very excited. This would be a huge get for us. Um, it would be amazing. I would be indebted to Alex forever because I, <laughs> like I said, like he said, this was a three-year long play. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't that much work. It was annoying. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you're dealing with people that you like and you like to talk about film with, it's not that much work. And in the end, it turns out that this could just be a huge payout for us. And I have no idea what to think. I'm trying not to get my hopes up, but I always do that. And, uh, and I always get my hopes up. But I have almost like zero expectation. I, I try to set myself up to the point where it's like, I expect it not to happen. And then if it does yeah, it all is. I, I'm getting there. I'm getting there as well. Our wives tend to yell at us, like, "Why aren't you more excited about this?" And we're like, "Eh, because you know it may not happen." Yeah, yeah. we tend not to tell them things before it gets. Uh, I you know, know, my wife always gets mad at me because I don't tell her things, and most of the time it's because <laughs> it's not a real thing. And then when it is, I tell her. Yeah, and then she's like, "Why didn't you tell me earlier?" It's like, "Well, because you would have gotten excited, and then if it didn't happen, you'd be all disappointed." Well, yeah. I'm just sitting here chilling and being like, eh. "If I told you everything I was trying to do, you'd, you'd think I was a failure. But if I just tell you the things that work out, I'm You're very successful." Batting a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that is. That is uh, that is what we have on the docket. We're trying to swing something, and we'll we'll announce it soon if it happens. Um, I'm not holding keep my hopes up, but I kind of yeah. am just because it would be so sweet. I know it's just hard to not think about it. I know that's all I've been doing. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it, it took us forever to come up with something to talk about for this episode because we were both just daydreaming about things. Yeah, we. Oh, it's bad, guys. It's bad, it but it's good to have dreams. It it's good to have dreams. Yeah. Is it daydream when it's eleven thirty at night? Yeah. Okay. Because it's not night dream. <laughs> <laughs> a night dream is a sleep dream. <laughs> Same thing. I'm going to start calling them night dreams. Yeah. Well, I guess you probably should specify. Yeah. Oh, my God. I had this amazing dream. Wait, wait, wait. Night dream daydream or daydream? Or daydream. <laughs> well, it was a daydream. It turned into a night dream because I fell asleep thinking about mm-hmm. it. Oh, nice. interesting. Um, also, the Netflix project we're talking about is a little stalled right now because there's one opportunity, but we're going to jump back into that. Uh, we just got to talk to some people and try and get people on board. And, you know, it's hard to get a hold of people on uh, on the emails these days. Um, so you just got to keep keep at it. And we're keeping at it. Keeping yep. on, keeping on. Keeping on, keeping on. And hopefully that'll come come through and i think that's it for what's what's new nope, there's uh, one more thing wait, on wait. Here. no i don't think so yeah there's no, one more wait, thing what is that uh um, no, I don't, I don't alex so. yeah. me uh-huh. you is on a five game winning streak in our fantasy football league god damn it trevor however is not i was on a four game losing streak but i won by one point last week nice i wasn't even paying attention i was it was down to monday night football 
Uh, my opponent was beating me by 10 points. I had a running back in. She had a, uh, yeah, that's right. I almost got beat by a girl. Uh, (laughs) she had a, um, a tight end in on the same team. Uh, the tight end caught some passes. My running back did okay, but I didn't think he did well enough. So I didn't even look at the score. I was like, you know what? Screw this. I hate fantasy. I'm going to be two and five. This is going to be bad. Then I woke up the next day and it said your team defeated blah, blah, blah. I was like, there's no way this happened. And it did. Yeah. But Alex is killing it. Alex was away in a zone with no cell phone service during our draft and he auto drafted. And somehow this guy has a chance to be five and two this year. Yeah. Number one, uh, tied for second in our league. Oh, actually, no. If he, if he pulls this off, he'll be tied for first. I'm going to be tied for first. Yeah. Um, and, uh, this is the guy that last year in his first year in fantasy, I think he won two games. Yeah, that's probably right. Just because it was the first time I played fantasy, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I started doing better towards the end. Yes, yes. I think I won more than two games, but maybe I think you was, were riding two games throughout the season till the end, and you won like two or three. Yeah, more, but yeah, it was pretty bad. I almost oh, I almost won uh, the losers bracket. Oh, that's right. I will yeah, tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this year, I'm hoping to be in the winner's bracket. I mean, it's uh, you're looking pretty good, man. you got a strong team. you got a strong team, so congrats. Thanks. Thanks. Some of those players I, I owe to Trevor, including this week's... Um, star wide receiver. Star wide who receiver. Who may be out with an ACL tear, tear yeah. and may be done for the season that Alex picked up for one game. But hey. But hey, I'm on track to win this, hey. this week. I'm probably going to jinx it. Yeah. But... That's why we don't get excited about anything. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, no, he's he's looking good. He's looking good this year. Looking strong. So we'll see team if Team Pluto had... Nash coming in. Yeah. Hot! That is his team name, Team Pluto Nash. Um, the epic space adventure <laughs> funded and uh, starring <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a classic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's what's new with us. Yeah. We're both tired. We're both hoping for the best. We're both not keeping our, holding our breaths. Uh, we're slacking in some realms and we're killing it in fantasy. Well, one of us is. So, um, so let's move on to the topic at hand, Alex. Okay. Uh, so we've talked to a lot of people about distribution. We've talked to a lot of people about packaging your project together or getting ready for distribution. But I don't think we've ever really talked about how to self-distribute, which is kind of all the rage these days. It is. It's because of the old intronept. It is intro-nept. a, um, yeah, you know. The, oh, the World you Wide Web. You <laughs> Have you ever heard of it? The World Wide <laughs> Web. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Bless Self-distribution you, <laughs> is becoming quite the hot ticket. God, Everyone's trying to that. do it. That's pretty, that's pretty Everyone's good. trying to do it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Um, and, and because of that, there's a lot of avenues out there to self-distribute your movie. Um, little different options, different services. Um We've talked to Jason Brubaker a while ago. We had an interview with him. He's uh, part of Distribber, and they're kind of an aggregator, and we'll get into them later. But they're one of the people that you should keep in mind when you're thinking about self-distribution. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the avenues you can go down. Absolutely. Um, the first one that came to mind was Vimeo. Yeah, which is kind of like the ugly stepchild of YouTube. It kind of was like this afterthought web service, uh, video service, video hosting um, site for a while, and I think the guys, some of the guys from College Humor started or something, if I remember correctly, or something. I don't know. Um, that's that's interesting, but I, it 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 was like the ugly stepsister, but it also became this 
platform for more serious filmmakers. Yeah, it, it, it. I think what they were pushing for a while is that their um, their compression wasn't that bad, so you could have yeah, really good, good cinematic style that you may not have gotten um, the best quality on YouTube. You get better quality on Vimeo, and they also pushed the notion that you could sort of like brand it. You could change the colors of the player, yeah. put your own logo on it, do that whole thing. So it's a little bit more professional. It's also you know, geared towards corporate video type stuff. Embed it on your website, and it seems like your own player or something like that. Um, it is was founded by the initial web developer of College Humor and one of the guys who assisted with the development of College Humor. So- My gosh, the developers of College Humor... Bust out that Sharpie. I want an autograph. Ski reek. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, um, they acquired... Uh, was VHX an on-demand, like, OTT service before it was acquired by Vimeo? Yeah, it was okay. its own thing. All right. Um, I don't know who created that one either. It was probably the, the developers <laughs> oh, God, of uh, Fun Year. Di- I don't know. <laughs> no, but, I mean, what what was there... What was VHX before, if it was any different before... Vimeo acquired it. It's pretty much exactly the same okay. as it was. So basically, um, now VHX um, is owned by Vimeo, but it's an OTT platform that allows you to create almost like your own network, your yeah. own online network, or your own, um, you know, transactional VOD network. And for those that know that don't know, Alex, explain what OTT is. Uh, it stands for over the top. Yeah. But basically, it's something like you, like all the apps that you see on Roku. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a, an organizational site for series for like a bunch of content. It's, so basically, like, um, like see, Amazon Prime is an OTT yeah. platform. You kind of summed it up perfectly. So it's those apps that you see on Roku that you don't have any idea what they are. You're like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. um, and a lot of this stuff, because it is on like Roku and all that, is. Uh, ad supported. That's how a lot. Some of them get uh, money or a monthly membership. But yeah, so it it's a way that you can you can kind of make your own like distribution network almost. You can create your own Netflix. Yeah, or yeah. create your own Amazon because um, you can do with with VHX. You can do subscription model or you can do single purchase models. Yeah. And so that's kind of cool. Yeah, and this may be a little bit more than someone wants to do if they're just distributing their first film. Um, and that's why Vimeo itself has the Vimeo yeah, Pro option, which exactly. is just, you could do that for just a single movie. You could put your uh, movie on Vimeo, and somebody could rent it or buy it right from there, um, and then you don't have to worry about setting up. We had actually at one point started using VHX because we were going to uh, distribute old classic public domain movies. Yeah, and we just thought of it was a cool way. Put ads on it. These are movies that are public domain. You can, you know, anybody can u- use them. Anybody can d- distribute them. Um, and it it takes work to do the VHX OTT. It's almost like if you had like a bu- like a conglomerate of filmmakers that all wanted to like keep making movies and distribute distribute them together in like a you know a platform that is strictly their movies. Yeah, and actually, now that you mention it, uh oh. I just saw in the old news okay. that there's a... The old news. Well, the this, old news. Uh, so this is um, current news. Well, it was funny because uh, I forget who it was. What uh, I think it was IndieWire put out an article about this platform called Zeus Network. Oh, I haven't heard of this. Go ahead. 
it is a couple YouTubers, including King Bach, that have... Uh, excuse me, it was... Uh, he was a Viner first? Sure. Uh-huh. Um, that have decided to release their uh, their content together on this one platform, and it's all hosted on VHX. Oh, or, really? Or, or on uh, Vimeo. I mean... OTT. Um, now... Does is can you brand VHX as your own thing so no, does, nobody knows it's VHX? Yeah. Yep. There you mm-hmm. go. So yeah. So that, I mean, that's something like um, if you guys ever knew what Maker was on YouTube or um, let's see what else was there. Um, Pocket Watch. What is the what was the one that uh, the guy from who Jeffrey Katzenberg started? You did that eating competition for him. Awesomeness TV. Awesomeness TV. Those are kind of. Like OTTs, where they would like not only make their own content, but they would um, bring in other member. Like Maker was the biggest one that started this. It was kind of like a uh, they'd make their own content, but then they'd also bring creators in and host their stuff and split profit and all that. And so that's what kind of a VHX is. But if you're doing just a single film, you can go to Vimeo Pro and kind of just sell your film there. You know, your marketing's up to you. Uh, it. it it has the platform to take credit card payments and all that, but it's not as much of a pain to set up as VHX is. Yeah, and the cool thing about Vimeo is it only takes 10%. Which is great. Which is pretty solid. Yeah. And it gives you a pretty nicely designed page. Mm-hmm. It's searchable on Vimeo, but also you can embed their player onto your own website, and it will have little buttons on it that say rent or buy. It'll, yeah. it'll like play the trailer, and then it will say rent or buy, and then you can have people buy it straight from your website instead of having them to go to uh, Vimeo's website. Yeah, and I just want to preface this um, uh, that uh, don't limit yourself to one. Like, you can put it on Vimeo. You can put it on YouTube because some people yeah. have preferences what they want because another thing that happens is that if you if people buy it and they're buying their movies through Vimeo or through YouTube or something like that, they're going to want to buy the, their future movies through that so they can c- have their library. They yeah. don't want it spread out everywhere. So put it everywhere, um, which brings us to a new feature that I've kind of I just saw on YouTube actually tonight, which brings us into YouTube as another option to put your movie up. They can buy, they can rent. Um, and I think it also connects it to Google Play, doesn't it, if you put it on YouTube? I have no idea. That's a good question. Since they're owned by the same company? They are, but I don't know. So so what um, What I just noticed that YouTube just introduced is YouTube premieres. And what it does is it allows you to kind of set a premiere date of a movie. Um, and you can... Um, you know, schedule it and then have a premiere date and then you can advertise that premiere date. There'll be stuff on that page for the, for the movie, um, that you can display like pre-rolled trailers, stuff like that. And also what you can do is you can charge people to chat with you while they're watching the movie in real time. So it's not like, it's not, it's kind of a little different from video on demand because what it is, is it's, Hey, come here now. Everyone's watching this at the same time. They can't start it, you know, if they, they join the premiere and when it's, you know, started, nobody else can join because they'll be joining in the middle of the movie. Um, and you could chat with, with the people watching it. So it's like you're all sitting around in a group setting and, and they can talk to you and you can charge them to do that, which adds a little more money in your pocket. And that's pretty cool because it uh, creates an event around your movie. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like a premiere for a movie in a theater. Yeah. So it's a one time event. And then from there, you can go off and say, okay, it's available on these different platforms. Yeah. 
So you can almost even do something where it's like, okay, if you if you come to the premiere, you can watch it for ninety nine cents or you know a dollar ninety nine. Yeah. But then after it's going to be available for rent for like four ninety nine. Exactly. Or whatever. And you can also this this super chat feature where you can uh, charge people to chat with you. So a lot of people are using that for like unboxing videos or for like live videos. That is like, hey, you know. Uh, Talk to me while I'm doing this process or build videos and all that. But it, it, you can still do it during movies if people want to know, hey, how'd you pull off that shot or stuff like that. Um, you know, it would be, to me, it'd be weird if people were wanting to ask questions before the movie, they were done watching the movie. But hey, guess what? Some people do. Those are the people who like to talk in theaters and I hate them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so YouTube is another avenue that is kind of like Vimeo Pro where you can upload your video. Um, nothing out of pocket to you, they take a cut and you, they, uh, audience members can either rent or buy your yeah. movie. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. I would also like to mention Uh-oh. on the Vimeo platform. Okay. They have an interesting feature, a couple, um, Vimeo has what's called a tip jar feature. Oh. So you could have, um, you know, the video be free. And then at the end or at the beginning or something, say, hey, JK, we're giving away this video for free. But if you want to support us and what we're doing, leave a tip in the tip jar. You could do that. Or they have a pay what you want slider function. Ooh. So, um, yeah, just like it sounds, what <laughs> you know, the people decide what they feel like they want to pay. Yeah. And they pay that. Which, yeah. Which is really cool. Kind of cool, because sometimes you'll, you might get more than mm-hmm. what you would charge. Sometimes you might get less, but hey. Hey, if you're going to just give it away for free, you know, you know it, uh, it, any money is good money. Yeah. Yep. Kind of a cool feature. It reminds me of, um, you know, back in the day, I feel like the thing that made that idea really popular was DJ Girl Talk. Do you remember that? Oh, God, yeah. Because he couldn't sell his records, because it was all mashups of you know, music that he didn't own. Oh, that's right. So he released it and then said, if you feel like paying for this or like donating to me, tipping to me, not for the, not buying the product. Yeah. Then there you go. Um, and I think he made like millions of dollars doing that. Dude, bringing back the old school DJ girl talk. Yeah, man. Holy shit. I remember hearing about that and being like, Oh man, that's, (laughs) that's really interesting. Good job, DJ Girl Talk. Yeah. Man, that's actually pretty cool. I did not know that. I know his music, did not know that that's what he did. Yes, indeed. But, um, uh, yes, yeah, so then what else we got? We, I mean, a lot of these are the ones you're going to hear. Amazon Prime, same idea. Upload your video. Um, this is the this is the way we're talking about is not where you get onto the Amazon Prime platform where the, you know anyone with Amazon Prime can uh, watch your movie for free. That's although, a little. Although you can do that, too. You can do that too, but don't you need some kind of in on that? You can't just submit your movie? Ah, well, we can talk about the ways to do that now if you want to. Hmm, let's go through all the things of, of where it's like, of the things that you don't need a intermediary or a third party to kind of get you through. Well, you do need that for all of these, well, except for Vimeo and YouTube. Okay, well then, never mind. We're moving on then. Go ahead. Yes, indeed. Yeah, fine. Go ahead. I don't care. All right, so... For all the next ones, you will need an aggregator, some type of third party to submit your film. Because Vouch for you, kind of. 
because uh, all these big companies like Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, Google Play, iTunes, Voodoo, Fantango, Now, Stream, Xbox, Sony, PlayStation Network, Tubi TV, they all have strict requirements for their films to be accepted, you know? So they require you to go through what's called an aggregator, which will... Quality make, control almost. It's basically like a quality control that will make sure your film meets the standards that are required, and then they have the relationship with those um, platforms, and so they will submit on your behalf, and you're more likely to get in, obviously, than if you tried to go directly to them. Yeah. Um, and um, the cool thing about it is they don't take a percent of the uh, the revenue. They just charge a flat fee for that service. Yeah, so if you guys have dealt with uh, sales agents in the past or uh, distribution uh, companies in the past, they take a percentage of your profit, and these guys do not. They just It's just a flat fee, which is really cool. Yeah, um, and but it is a flat fee based on each individual platform. So yeah, that's if you want to submit to Amazon Prime, Netflix, and Hulu, you're going to be charged three flat fees. So there is that. You're going to definitely have to budget for this. It's not going to be cheap. No, by any means. Oh God, please, no, it isn't. So some of the there are a couple aggregators out there. I personally really like Distriber. We had mm-hmm. uh, Jason, Brubaker. Jason Brubaker on yep. from Distriber to talk about distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, so check out that episode if you'd like. Yeah, go back and uh, download it again if you want yeah. a little refresher course. <laughs> um, but the cool thing about it is they have access to a ton of different platforms, you know? So you go through one company to submit to all mm-hmm. of these places that you want to reach. Um, and like I said, it's not super cheap. It's going to be, so for example, if you want to submit to Amazon, um, as a transactional, okay. Transactional, transactional, you're looking at $1,550 for a feature film. That's, that's pricey, but it's a one time flat fee or 597 for a TV episode per episode. Yeah. So that's what you're looking at, and um, that's expensive. And, but it's it, again, it's it's a one-time fee, and in that case, Amazon takes fifty percent. You get fifty percent, yeah, of whatever the price is that you set. Not bad. Uh, and that's kind of the similar pricing for everything, um, including um, submission to Netflix, Amazon Prime as a subscription, and Hulu. Not bad. Not bad. Again, I'm a big fan of the one-time fee. Um, And the reason I like Distriber when it comes to things like Netflix uh, is they have a guarantee. So you can you put up the fifteen hundred bucks, you submit your film. um, It takes about six to eight weeks for them to decide if they if they if your application isn't accepted, you get your money back. Nice minus like a hundred bucks. Whatever. Which so, is which that's is pretty nice. Yeah, not it's not too risky, especially with getting your money back. And looking at the distributor website, look at our, our friend Morgan Dameron is on there. Yeah, look at that. Look at that Morgan with her. We movie. should have her on the show. We should. You know what? Let's get her on the show. She did a movie, Different Flowers, um, really indie. Uh, she was, uh, for those who don't know, she was the assistant to J.J. Abrams, and she is who 
Poe Dameron is named after yeah, in, uh, in the new Star Wars trilogy. Pretty um, cool. We should reach out to Morgan and see if she wants to be on and talk about shooting her indie film, her first feature film. We should. All right, man, we're just blazing through ideas here. I know, we're all over the place, though. What up? We're all over uh, the place. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Distributor is really cool, and it's one of those things that I really appreciate the fact that they... I don't want to say stand, you know, they stand by your, they stand by their product kind of thing. But it's like, if they yeah. don't get you in, then, you know, you get your money back minus some fees because, hey, they all got to, they got to pay their, their employees to, who tried to get you in. Yeah. And I think for me, the thing about Distributor is they have like such a big network of options, you know, yeah. more than anyone else I've seen. Yeah. Um, in terms of just the different avenues you can go. Um, cause you could even get on things like Shudder and Fios, yeah. Crackle, DirecTV, all these things, Dish Network. And for those of you who didn't listen to our interview with Jason uh, Brubaker, why are you even here, um, first, but, uh, second, yeah, um, get out. <laughs> Jason had even mentioned that a lot of people, right when they get done with a film, if they don't think they can do theatrical, they're immediately like, I want to do subscription based. I'm going to do Netflix. I want to do, um, Amazon Prime. I want to do Hulu. Um, but he, he said, and maybe he was plugging distributor a little bit cause that's his company. Um, and if he was good for him, way to smooth that in there. But he was saying that a lot of people overlook transactional VOD or, you know, the buy rent model from things like, you know, Fandango now, um, Sony PlayStation network, uh, PlayStation yeah. view, uh, Google play, Google play. They're, they're kind of overlooked because people are like, Oh, well, then I have to go. It's almost like trying to raise money. You have to go individually and try and sell people on this movie to buy it. Yeah, and one 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 purchase at a time. Yeah, but if you have a if you're on a network, if you're like me, and I'm looking for a movie, I will go through uh, you know Amazon Prime and look for movies that I can rent for three ninety nine that look cool. Um, you know, it's just if you get it out there in all avenues, and then you later go to Amazon Prime and sell it outright and stuff like that, that's fine. But don't. Limit yourself to only going to these uh, subscription VODs right away because there's a lot of money to be made in the transactional VODs. Especially, we talked to the guys from Camp Mana and they said that that's what they're they did too. They're yeah. trying to they're just trying to sell one one little thing. And the, and if you look on cinemasummit.com, um, the guys from Dude Bro Party Massacre Three, we had an interview with Michael Russelet, and that's what they did too. They they mm -hmm. didn't. Mm -hmm. Granted, they had an investor who was not happy with any of the deals they got for distribution, and so they just went one by one, and Michael Rousselet would have a, a little ring on his, a, a ka-ching sound yeah. effect on his phone every time they made a, a sale. And they maybe haven't made all their money back, but they're making money, they're still selling DVDs. And quite uh, frankly, I would imagine that they're making more money than they would have if they would have gone through a sales agent. Yeah, absolutely. Simply Especially with because, that movie. Simply because the sales agents take so much so money much. and they they have like a marketing cap that they add on to it. So How did you sleep at night as a sales agent? Oh, man. This is <laughs> tough. <laughs> but you slept soundly. Yeah. <laughs> I always do. I'm I a sound I'm sleeper. So, I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm a I'm a visual sleeper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So. So Quiver Digital is another. Oh, here we go. Another I was one. jumping into it. Okay, go ahead, I'm Alex. Just saying. Yeah. Fine. Moving along. Moving Similar along. to Distributor, uh -huh. Quiver Digital does cool. um, submissions to sort of like the main three: Google Play, iTunes, and um, what's the third one? Do we know? Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. There we go. Yeah. And 
they actually have a, an interesting deal, like a pretty good deal. Okay. Um, which is $1,845 for all three. So. Not bad. Not too bad. It's not bad at all, actually. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there there are options out there that you don't think that just because you shot your film and it's, you know, maybe not set for theatrical distribution that's dead in the water. That And, and if... And it's time to just grovel to Netflix to take your movie for whatever they will. Yeah. And I think it's important to remind people uh-huh. that just because you get your film on you on Amazon and like Netflix, you know, Hulu or whatever, doesn't mean that you're just like making money. Like no. you're, you're golden. That's the thing is that you know, the reason that Netflix is able to be so profitable is because they don't pay that much for their movies they do not um and they do not do it unless it's a movie they really really want they don't pay based on like a set benchmark like we'll give you you know more money if it's reaches this many views they just buy it outright and they have rights to it and they don't pay that much because people know that Netflix knows that people need Netflix more than they need people. They have they're putting eight billion dollars into original productions, so they don't need all the movies. At one point, they did, and they were paying a little bit more, but now they're putting a lot of that money into uh, original productions and original Netflix productions, and so they know that they don't need you as much as you need them, and they'll make a deal that's very favorable to them. And you're like, I, I guess I just want people to see my movie. Stop, slow down, relax, yeah. slow your roll, and also. When it comes to things like getting your movie on Google Play and stuff, iTunes and, mm-hmm. and Amazon, it's let's just be realistic about it. You're not going to get your movie at like a, a sweet, solid front page spot. No, you know, next to Guardians of the Galaxy three. Oh, that'd be sweet, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just not going to happen. Why not? I mean, it might if you if you build up enough momentum for the movie. But basically, my point being, you you have to still market it. Just getting it on the platform is not enough. You have to get people to want to see it, to click on the button, to click on your poster and say purchase. Yeah. Or rent, you yeah. know? Which goes back to uh, packaging the product and another episode that we did <laughs> uh, about uh, things you need to think of for distribution before you even start shooting. Yeah. That's, you gotta have good stills. You gotta really bring people in to, uh, to, your movie, especially if it's not a name, it doesn't have any name people in it, and people yeah. don't really know about it and they haven't heard of it, because you got to grab them. You got to grab you them gotta, on you a. Gotta, you need a hook on some uh, on platforms that have tons of movies. I mean, I I get dizzy looking at all the movies on Amazon Prime and Netflix and all that. You got to have something that's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I like this. It's kind of like kind of like that movie Unsane, you know? Yeah, it had mm-hmm. a hook, shot on an iPhone. If it wasn't, I don't think, you know, would you have people, seen it? No. Really? No. Now, here's a question for you, just to, to, you know, of course, jump on a um, completely sidetrack. Do you think that was only attractive to people in the film industry? Like, do you think there was enough that people, there was enough in the trailer that people who didn't care that was shot on iPhone or not because they really didn't know the big deal, you know, people who aren't in the, in the, on the technical side of it would be like, "Eh, you know what, I'll, I'll check it out still. It's Soderbergh. I don't think okay. so. Personally, I mean, I, I didn't think it looked particularly good yeah, to begin with. Either. But, um, you know, I'm sure some some people went to go see it not caring about the iPhone thing. Yeah. Um, but I also think 
aside from people that are in the industry, what it really sort of lent itself to were all the people who are like, have the dreams of making a movie or something. Cause they, oh, you know, yeah. they're like sitting at home. They're like, ah oh, man, I yeah. wish I could make a movie. I just don't, I live in like Wisconsin and I have no equipment, but then they're like, Oh, this movie is in <laughs> theaters and it was made on an iPhone. I could do that. The Orin Pellies of the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's fair. I think that's kind of who it, who it really attracted. Yeah. I mean, and so, we have somebody singing outside. We have a piccolo? Nice. That's what it sounded like, guys, in case you couldn't hear it. Um, you're welcome. That was super annoying. I apologize already. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are many ways to get your movie out there. And, you know, try as we might to persuade, to persuade you otherwise, people are still going to want to see their movie on the big screen. Yes. Which leads us to... The next two. The next two. Platforms. Tug uh, for uh, pornography and adult films. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Gather for uh, mutual masturbation films. Yep. No. Yes. Uh, Tug, T-U-G-G, and Gather, G-A-T-H-R, are two platforms that kind of are kind of cool. They're, they're getting gaining a lot more popularity as more independent films come out. Um, and what they do is, I'll leave it to you, Alex, because I've been talking way too much and everyone hates the sound of my voice. So go ahead. <laughs> Well, Tug is particularly interesting. Um, it is a website you can go to, a platform. They have connections to theaters and theater chains. And what they started out as was a way for you to organize screenings of, you know, relatively well-known movies like, you know, Scream or or Alien or something. And they had this whole library of movies you could select and theaters in your area that you could uh, choose from, and you would organize a screening and say, I'm going to be able to get 100 people at this screening. And so then they would create a page for you that you would be able to share, and it would have sort of a counter that says, you know, 50 out of 100 tickets sold, and you have to reach your, your minimum before the screening actually happens. And you don't actually make a ton of money, you know, at back in the day, you didn't actually make a ton of money from it. You would make, I think, 10% or 5% mm-hmm. of the ticket sales. But it wasn't about that. It was kind of yeah. about creating a screening and you could sort of bring people together, networking type of stuff. It was more to show old movie cult classics that you wanted to see on the screen again. Yeah. Um, that was what it was yeah. mostly used for. So it wasn't a, it wasn't of a, a moneymaker plan. It was just a way to get these movies that you wanted to see. Like, I've never seen Scream on the big screen. That'd be awesome. Exactly. Um, and, you know, um, it's kind of like if anyone has seen our friend Michael Brousselet did a lot of screenings of The Room yep. and really made it popular. Um, and granted, he didn't do that through Tug, but it was that kind of idea of like these classic films that you would haven't seen on the big screen that you can get as long as enough people agree to go and pay pay to go. Yeah, and now it's become a platform for indie filmmakers yeah. because now you can submit your film uh, to them and allow and promote it yourself and allow other other people to promote it uh, in screenings. But it's kind of a cool option for doing what's called a platform release. Yeah. Um, so if you decide that you want to sort of do like a touring screening of a film, maybe you have like a, a pretty cool... Um, horror film Mm -hmm. that you want to like release around Halloween or something, you get some buzz going online about it, people talking about it. Uh, and you say, I'm going to do five screenings 
you know, one in LA, one in New York, one in Chicago, one in Florida, one in Colorado or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so you do this, you kind of go around to each place um, and hold a, a single night screening. Yeah. It's a cool way to sort of get your movie out there, get it in theaters, show and it to get people, people. Get people there to review it and exactly. get some buzz going. I mean, I know that if I use Tug, I'd probably do a screening in Minneapolis, uh, a yeah. hometown screening, uh, because especially if you don't come from, uh, if you come from a, a, a city that's not big in the film industry or, you know, kind of a smaller town, um, you can get some buzz just by being a homegrown kid that comes back with a feature film that they're showing there. Um, and exactly. that buzz grows into like some news articles. And then you get some news articles out there that are then linked to your name. And then people look that up and, oh, my gosh, they're uh, they're doing um, something else and, and all that stuff. So it's mm -hmm. like it just builds and builds and builds. And soon enough, if you're not doing screenings everywhere, people are looking at your for your movie on uh, Transactional VOD. Exactly. So you can make it sort of a, an event again where it's like, okay, you can watch this one night only in each specific city and then after release it, you know, online. Yeah. Which is kind of a cool option. And Gather is is pretty much the same thing, but it's specifically for documentaries. Yeah. Um, and again, they just have relationships with all the theaters. Now, you can book your own theaters you can yes. you can rent your own theater you can four wall a theater but you got to pay for the cost you and hope to get recoup it and um if you try to book your own theaters they're going to be like who are you <laughs> um what, what's going on so it, it is possible but again it's just sort of like a little bit easier and tug now has um different uh different deal going for indie filmmakers so i think you can actually make a little bit more money from it that's cool and uh yeah, it's definitely something to look into. Shoot them an email. Um, and, yeah. So Gather would be something like, say, you're doing a lot of, uh, you know, you're doing like an environmental documentary or something like that. And you can go to all these areas that are big in the environment, to Portland and <laughs> Minneapolis and, you know, places like that and show show your documentary. Um, just another way to get it on the big screen because... In all honesty, isn't that what every filmmaker wants? They just want to see their thing, their 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 baby, their project displayed on the big big screen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where now there's some opportunities that started out, you know, kind of just to bring people together and show movies that have you know been not screened in a very long time to something that's very useful as a tool for independent filmmakers and self distributors. Yes, indeed. I'm trying to see. I had emailed them once about asking them what the split was for indie filmmakers. I'm trying to think if I can find it. Maybe not. Really? Let's see. Tug Revenue split. Let's see here. You guys are listening. Whew. You guys are listening to us search the internet. How good it's, are we? Yeah. It's pretty great what's yeah. happening right now. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Um, filmmaker FAQ. Yeah, I don't know, guys. I'm not gonna look for it now. We'll put it up later when Can't we see it. We're not find gonna... it. Yeah, we'll f I'll find it. Alex will find it. He's got, he's got tons of time. Um, but yeah, so we're yeah. not gonna sit on the computer anymore. Just while we're t you guys are listening to us and saying, "Wow, this has really gone downhill after you know 25, 28 episodes." Oh man, <laughs> fooled you guys. It went downhill, went downhill after, after two, one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. After one, we were all amped for one, and then slowly, slowly, just it died. Um. So yeah, so those are the, so there are a lot of avenues out there. I just think I just did a so there yeah so there uh, there uh, 
Man, mm-hmm. I'm tired, guys. I'm, I apologize. Uh, there are a lot of avenues out there for independent filmmakers to kind of stay away from the. I mean, if you listen again to the to Jason Brubaker, almost the, the the subscription video on demand should be your last resort because the cut is so low, and it just kind of sits there, and you have to. It's almost, in all honesty, the subscription video on demand. It just sits there. You get a low cut, and you have to kind of do what you do if you're doing uh, transactional VOD. Which is you have to get advertise it to get people to watch it. Yeah. Um, you may think that oh you know I sold it I'm good I'm on to the next one but you you still want people to see it so you still have to do the same thing you have to kind of advertise it out to people you know and try and get buzz about it so people watch it and maybe Netflix will buy your next movie or they'll fund the next one but why not just give it a go with all these different avenues that you could you know make m- a lot more money if you just take the time and push it out and advertise it like the guys who are doing Camp Mana I think they're happy with the way they're doing their distribution, um, especially as they're doing more and more press and podcasts like ours, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, to uh, you know make a little more money. May hopefully get that budget back or make your investors happy, which is, in the end of the day is all you really want because then that means your investors will give you more money to make your next movie. So I just found it. Oh, look at you. Good thing I was just blabbing on for a good five minutes. Yeah, nice. Well done. You're welcome. Well done. Yeah. So it looks like... Uh-huh. You make thirty five percent of um, all the ticket sales after you meet your whatever the threshold is, which is probably to the cost of the theater or something like that. Yeah, um, but is correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Tug you don't they don't do the screening unless you hit the threshold anyway? Right, they won't do the screening, but you won't make money unless you Oversight. surpass your yeah. Yeah. your threshold. So if you say it's going to cost, you know, you're going to cost. So you got to get like. 25 people in or something. Yeah, and then anything after 25, you get 35% of that, which is not bad. I yeah. mean, if you can't get 25 people to the movie theater, especially in your hometown, then your hometown doesn't love you anymore, and I never want to go back to Minnesota. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, so that's not bad. 25 is a pretty uh, obtainable goal. Well, that's I, I just pulled that out of my, my butt cheeks. Damn it. I'm just saying. Damn it. If that's what it was, that's an example. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yes, uh, so that's not a bad deal. Thirty-five percent is a hell of a deal, especially to see it on the big screen. Yeah, not bad. Yep. So I'd say that's about it in terms of self-distribution. I mean, you can go the old route of just making DVDs and selling them out of your car. You can. Um, you can. You can pull the the Mitch Hedberg and just start leaving them inside DVD stores. Well played with the Mitch Hedberg connection. <laughs> Fantastic. Did you just call them DVD stores? Yeah. Because what else? <laughs> Like big Best Buys? Like a Walmart. <laughs> Actually, DVDs. Also known as a DVD store. <laughs> DVDs now probably just more like a 7-Eleven than a gas station? Yeah, like a coaster store. <laughs> who, who watches DVDs? I, I, you still have a bunch in storage. I do. Oh, man. Fantastic. But um, maybe we should do an, uh, an episode okay. about the actual process one would go through to market their film. All right, maybe we'll do that next time. I don't like, hate that idea. Once you're on, once you got the platforms, yeah, for exactly. S, for uh, the, uh, for transactional VOD, yeah. Now what? Yeah, now what? Now how do we get this out there? Man, we just we got Morgan Dammer. We got two episodes already in the can, even though Boom. Morgan has not. He doesn't even know our podcast exists or nor, that she's nor doing. Nor does she it. remember us? No, from college. But she definitely is going to do it. I mean, 
Yeah, yeah. come on. Yeah, because, I mean, come on. we're getting, yeah. she's we're getting not tens, busy, of, right? tens of listeners. Tens of listeners. Hi, Mom. Um, so, yeah, maybe we'll do that next one. Maybe we'll do, okay, now you've, you plan for distribution before you start shooting. You shot, you, you, you know, you edit You got it, the platform. You got the platform. Now what? Now what? Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like it. All right, so stay tuned next week, guys. But in the meantime, uh, listen to the Jason Brubaker uh, interview. Yes, indeed. He's got some good advice for he you. He does. He does. Okay. Um, so let's moving on to what's cool. What's cool, Alex? Go ahead. What is cool? Oh, well, Movi. Uh-huh. The company that creates the Movi. Um, I would has, say the beginner of the digital stabilizers. The gimbals. The gimbals. Yeah, they were They were probably yeah, like yeah. The, the one that popularized the handheld gimbal yep. dealio. Okay, go ahead. Uh, they now have a controller that is wheels. Oh man! Everyone likes the wheels, just like the DJI one. Yeah, so you got three three hand wheels. You mount it on a tripod, and you can set what you want to control, whether it's pan, tilt, um, roll, focus, iris, zoom, all that kind of stuff. I don't know why you'd want to focus with it. I don't know, but, but you can. Yeah, I think basically it's just that it's programmable to whatever. Don't tell so. me what I want to do. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I mean. Everyone, I feel like everyone who wants to be a filmmaker has dreams of operating the wheels. Oh man, I, I don't mean, know. maybe that's like an that's old school pretty thing. old school, and I love it. it. It is old school, but I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. I want to do it. No, I definitely do. I, I mean, I, I think those are really cool. Um, I think uh, I don't know. It just feels like it'd be more fluid. It would be less jerky with the wheels. I mean, the wheels that made some great movements, man. Yeah. It takes a lot of practice because it's kind of like rubbing your, your head and your, t- your stomach at the same time or whatever, patting or your saying, head. Or saying rubbing your like, head. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. what. See, that's how hard it is. I never you can't do even it. say it. Yeah. Who, who actually does that? But no one. Yeah. Um, it's difficult. Yeah. Because it takes some coordination. Yeah. But once you get the hang of it, nail it. Yeah. Pretty cool. You'll be in high demand. Um, smooth. Smooth. Smoothie. Oh, nailed it. You're welcome. I'm here all day. Um, so I got that. Uh, speaking of Netflix, Netflix just bought ABQ Studios in Albuquerque. Now, for those who don't know why this is a big deal, they bought, they opened up a production hub in LA with a bunch of sound stages for their $8 billion worth of original productions. But they like that sweet, sweet tax credit that New Mexico gives you. And so they bought ABQ Studios. Guess where it is? Albuquerque, ABQ. I'm Hence, sorry, I wasn't ABQ. listening to what you were saying. Did you say Netflix bought a barbecue? <laughs> you hungry? A BBQ? Yeah, they bought a barbecue. It's wow. a really fancy barbecue. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> really um, expensive, huge barbecue. Yeah, so um, they said that they were going to be about a billion dollars worth of production there. They're going to move there uh, in the next 10 years. Um, this thing is 170,000 square feet with nine stages, and I am jealous already. Me too. Why didn't we come up with Netflix? I also, I know. But I also, it's, I feel like it's a, an ongoing conversation that keeps popping up. It's like, will California continue to be the hub for film production? It's it like, always man, will be. It always will be, but man, a lot of stuff's moving elsewhere. You know what? Here's the thing. We're not, uh, we're not, lost what you thought. Thinking about it. Okay. Um, we're in the good position where we're in California already, right? Yeah. So the only good thing I can think about all these productions moving out of here is that soon California is going to wake up and be like, wait a second, maybe we should do better tax cuts for uh, productions here to keep them here. Oh, man. If only. If, if only. only. Also, but it's not just, ta- it's like everything's so expensive out here. 
It is. It's expensive because people know that they got money to spend. So if you want to, if you want to get like a gas station as a location, it's like okay, sure, ten grand a day. But if you go out to, I don't know, your hometown of Minnesota and ask the gas station to shoot there, they'll they pay pr- me. Yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly. We're like, oh, do you want? Do you want a free seven up all day long? <laughs> Ooh, Absolutely. Seven up. And out there we call that pop. Never heard of it. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean they are there are a lot of there are a lot of uh places out there that are giving tax breaks and it looks like Netflix is just the next company to take advantage of those tax breaks. It's like everyone started moving to Atlanta. But maybe you know what? But then you know things go to Atlanta and so maybe people just start start being a little cheaper here. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. One can only hope. I know. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, what else is cool? Go ahead. Let's see. I saw Lexar is releasing a 512 gigabyte micro SD card, which is insane. Yeah. First of all, it's insane that they have half a terabyte on a tiny little micro SD card. Second of all, it's insane that a 500 gigabyte SSD is as big as it is. Like, why why are they slacking? I... I gotta ask, like, how much faster is a SSD than this little micro card? Like, I mean, it's fast enough to the SSD, the micro SD card is fast enough to record 4K video because we use that for our Osmo. Mm-hmm. What, like, how the hell? How in all the hells have they not come out with like a eight eighty terabyte SSD drive, which is just a bunch of micro SD cards stuck in it, daisy chained together? Yeah. I, I don't get it. I have no idea. No idea. It's yeah. This one I don't know what it has a up to a hundred megabytes per second read and seventy megabytes per second write. So it's not it's not very close to an SSD. I would imagine. Well, SSD is six hundred fifty four megabytes per second write, seven twelve read. That's where it hits the read, the read speed. Well, both. I mean, the write speed is up to seventy megabytes a second. So that's not even close. Which I guess is great for 4K, but yeah. So I mean, cool, but man, I want one. The problem is our Osmo has like a limit on what. You uh, only got to like 64 gigs, yeah, right? That's why we got those two 64s. I mean, we have some 128s here that we can't use for that. I know. But the great thing is those little SD adapters means eh. you can put it in an SD. Yeah, SD cam. Cam. Love it, love it, love it. Um, a little sweet little tidbit is this iceberg lens. Uh, I mean, I was talking uh, about this. Yes. So what they did is they went to an iceberg and they chopped away the ice and they shaped it and they formed it into a lens and were able to take some pretty sweet images with it. They yeah. they, they made the the ice into the glass for a lens. Yeah, um, it lasted about a minute. Yeah, about a minute. But it's a cool experiment. Um, ice iceberg ice has very little uh, mineral deposits in it, so it's very clear. And so it actually made to be a very nice looking lens. Produced some decent results for a minute. <laughs> some surprising results. I mean, I wouldn't say that that they were like you know Zeiss lens quality results. Oh hell no! But kind of cool little um, uh, Lomo type results. You know, little vintagey lens type of results. Yep. Foggy, hazy, blurry. Can't focus it. No. <laughs> so how crazy would that be if you got like a, a, a focusing ice. Uh, Iceberg lens. Yeah, yeah, for a minute. Totally worth for it. For a yeah. Like, this is, this seemed like it was exactly what you should spend a trip to an iceberg is. <laughs> it's like, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you would do, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, if I had some <laughs> dispendable money, I'd just be like, you know what? I'm just going to go to an iceberg and cut some. Uh... Now watch the 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 YouTube video gets more enough revenue that it paid for the trip. That bastard. Exactly. Smart. Then um, he's going to start selling them on Etsy. Oh, handmade God. iceberg lenses, and it's just going to show up as only. a Ziploc yeah. baggie yeah. filled with water. water. <laughs> <laughs> no, what it is it? Oh. Even better, it's a build-your-own iceberg lens kit. So it's just a baggie of the really clear water and a mold. And you have to freeze, have to freeze it all, it. and there you go. Nice. Jackpot. Um, so yes, the iceberg lens. Um, check it out. Uh, all, again, all these links are in the show notes, and you can go see the, the pictures that were taken with it. The, you know, Surprisingly colorful, but very blurry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. So Emerge Pro. That totally looks in the notes. It looks like Ermagerd. It does. Ermagerd. Emerge with an I. Yep. Pro is yeah. um, made by FX Home, which creates visual effects software mm-hmm. and um, stuff like that. But they have created this new software, which is the world's first, they say, raw image compositor for still photography. So you can take a raw image and do some compositing that's non-destructive. What? That's crazy. Well, you know, like photo editing that's not yeah. destructive and then composite it. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Which is kind of cool yeah. um, for for still images. So if you're a photographer, you might want to check that out, see what it's all about. I don't know. Um, I don't necessarily want to be compositing in RAW and using 16 bits and <sighs> clocking, overclocking my comp for some still photos, but yeah. I'm sure it could be cool for certain applications. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're big into the still images, be yeah. pretty cool. Be pretty cool. Um, finally, for me, we have the Bill Murray stories: life lessons learned from a mythical man. Now, this is a documentary I came across. It's not out yet. It's doing the festival circuit. Um, big uh, fan of uh, Bill Murray, and I don't know if any of you have heard the stories, but there's a lot of stories of Bill Murray just being a regular dude walking into a karaoke uh, bar and uh, you know just joining a private room. I don't know if people have been to karaoke bars, but they usually have private rooms that you can rent and you can just bring your alcohol in and then have your own little TV with uh, karaoke music and lyrics being played. And he just showed up and invited himself into someone's room and stood there for four hours singing karaoke. Another famous Bill Murray story is he walked up to a kid at McDonald's, reached into his box of fries, Five fries out, looked the kid square in the eye and said, no one will ever believe you, ate the fries and walked away. <laughs> so these are, these are Bill Murray stories. And, and it seems like there's always a new Bill Murray story every couple of months. And so this, uh, this document, uh, documentary director wanted to uh, talk to the people who had experienced these Bill Murray stories. And did he meet Bill Murray at the end or did he not is the question. Mystery. Yeah. Mystery. The big, the big thing about Bill Murray is that he does not have an agent. He has a 1-800 phone, uh, phone number that you can call if you, are, you want him to um, uh, consider your project. I think Sofia Coppola said she called his voicemail 15 times before he finally called her back about loss in translation. Yeah. Um, and that's just Bill Murray. Bill Murray don't give a Gotta fuck. Gotta leave a voicemail. Yep. Bill, Better be a good one. Yeah. Better get that out before the beep. Oh, my God. You're like, I have a great idea. So here's the synopsis. Beep. I, uh, hey, Bill, it's me, Trevor, again. Um, so I'm so sorry. Uh, I got cut off. I apologize. I know you don't really listen to these messages, but so the synopsis. So, all right, Bill, this is Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, uh, it looks like a cool documentary. I definitely am all in on Bill Murray stuff, so I'll check it out when it uh, hits theaters or maybe, I don't know, uh, transactional VOD. <laughs> yeah. 
I'll check that out. Look at how we swung that back to what we were talking about. Look at that. Yeah. Full circle. What up? Like a like a lens made out of an iceberg. Oh, just killing it. Thanks. Um, So yeah, go ahead, Alex. Close us out. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. You can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash episode 28. And don't forget to hot up on over to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. While you are there, please, please, please give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined. It's been a while since we had those. And if you have any filmmaking questions, ask away in the comments section and we'll try to answer them. And also like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at Cinema Summit and uh, pay attention there. If there's some news, you'll just see a bunch of uh, letters being mashed on a keyboard and some mm-hmm. exclamation points if this goes through and uh, you know just, uh, just uh, keep your peepers peeled on that yep alright guys we'll talk to you next time peace out later